hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Big typing. McAuliffe and Rubinoff, Tim and Friends for this. Thursday, February 3rd, live on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Available anytime on Sportsnet now with podcasts, audio only on sportsnet.ca or wherever you get your pods. Got it good and since you understood, the friends today include Craig Forrest, Kenny the Jet Smith, and Michael Grange as we take you right up until the Raptors and the Bulls available for your viewing pleasure on both Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1. There's no way that the Raptors can do this again. Can they? Like, midst of five games in seven days, four and five days, Toronto's won three in a row heading into the night. Every one of these games, important. Top nine teams in the East, I repeat, top nine teams in the East are separated by five and a half games. By contrast, the top three teams in the West are separated by seven games. To quote a great man, insane crazy, driving Miss Daisy. That great man, of course, Clifford Smith Jr., a.k.a. Jesse's favorite, Method Man. Mm. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. When did his, al- when did his albums come out? <laughs> Let me just Google that. Uh, around 1994, to be honest okay. with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, we get you set for DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. Coming back to Toronto once again, Michael Grange and Kenny the Jet Smith. Game day always starts right here on Tim and Friends. The NHL has hit the all-star break. Hearing Connor McDavid might pop by tomorrow as his Oilers finished off the unofficial first half pretty strong, as did Calgary Flames. We will discuss who the best team in Alberta is right now and break down Canada's latest and greatest glory on the pitch. Craig Forrest, first things first. So without further ado from your humble host, let's get to it in a hurry. Alec Bunbury. I feel like you used that one already. Have you? No, that's the first time. That's the first time? As you could tell, because I was like, hurry Bunbury. And I'm trying to like... I got a hurry Bunbury. I trying to tell if the rhyme actually worked. Yeah. Like, see if you could like finagle it a little bit. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't channel my inner method man. That's my okay. inner Clifford Smith Jr. Yeah. 1995, first album? I haven't Googled it yet. I haven't Googled it yet. Just, I'm just guessing. Oh, you're just, just guessing. Yeah, I'm just now, guessing is that, that with Wu-Tang Clan, or is that on his own? Uh, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like, that, my what friends, is the Jesse Rubinoff. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still uh, still recovering from my geography loss. You know, I don't like to lose, but uh, I did, in fact, lose to Ken, who, who was getting the answers rather quick, I might say. I know I was accused of... Uh, Perhaps being fed the answers by Thomas Dobby, producer, wasn't the case. <laughs> but, like, Ken wasn't even thinking. I, so it, it I led love, me to believe that something was going on. I love the straight line that we draw every show. But do we need to provide context on what the hell we're talking about? First off, Alvin Williams asked me what hip-hop album sorry, was released sorry. in 1994. Yes, okay. There was a, uh, a cornucopia of great hip-hop albums released right. In 1994. Then yesterday we had a geography <laughs> quiz because Jesse said that it was his best topic and Ken Reed whooped his ass. Though I do, will say this, um, I feel bad saying whooped your ass, especially after I know that your grandmother texted you just before 
the quiz to say you've got this. She told me, yeah, she said you can do this. And uh, a lot of people on the team were pointing out that uh, the U was just a U. So she's like super hip. Like that's pretty cool. Like just the U. Oh, nice. For someone of, of her age, very impressive. What do you what do you call you? I mean, we all have a different. Is it a booby? It's a bo- booby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it a booby? Yeah. Booby. Booby Mui. All right. So. Uh, Shout out to Bobby Mui. Yeah, she's going to be going nuts, right? My phone's going to blow up any second now. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. She just outed me on national television. So, sorry sorry for my, my language when I said <laughs> whooped his ass. I was referring to a donkey. Bobby yeah, I was going to say, you, you weren't, like, that impressed with my showing yesterday, although I, I felt like I held my own a little bit. Like, I, I there were a couple like, tough questions in there. I feel like you did well considering how nervous you were okay, once we said we were going to have this <laughs> test of your knowledge of was what sweating. was your best topic. Yes, what was in grade nine. But let's move on. (laughs) Another game, another win for Canada soccer as the men went into El Salvador last night and came away with a 2-0 victory. Canada played three games in seven days during this qualification window, outscoring their opponents 6-0. Just unreal, Tim. Has your perspective of this team changed in the past week? That's an interesting one because before you know where you're going, you have to know where you've come from. And almost a year ago... I was trying to convince the old school football slash soccer heads in this country that this was the dawn of a new era. Before the speech that we had here with Kamina Barana to start this window, I tried talking to Canadian soccer fans. I tried to instill faith in the faithless. For those who don't remember, one, I forgive you. Two, here's a refresher of a speech that I gave you year ago. There are new legends, my friends, and they've already been made and fortified in the best leagues in the world. And that's never happened in Canadian soccer ever. I know I'm asking for faith from the faithless, but I'm telling you, It will be rewarded. I'm telling you, we have the best team we have ever had. And if not now, very soon. I'm telling you, it's a matter of time. I know there is trepidation. Be not afraid, my friends. Uncle Timmy's telling you it is the dawn of a new era, and it could be upon us as early as next week. Okay, it was only eight months ago. But I go all that way to say, I'm not trying to separate my shoulder, pat myself on the back, although that's what I just did. I'm going all that way to say, even though I suggested, way back then, when people wondered if Canada was going to get past Haiti in the realm before the octagon, that this was a different group and a different era. And even then, I never thought this was possible. Like, what they're doing right now is incredible. I mean, think about it. Canada is now unbeaten, 13-0-4 through three rounds of qualifying, outscoring their competition 50-6. to They are not just the only unbeaten team in CONCACAF qualifying. They just became the first team in CONCACAF history to win six straight matches in the final round of World Cup qualifying. And they won the last three without conceding a goal with their best player on Twitch. (laughs) I've said it before, I will say it again. The best story in world football, Jesse Rubinoff, is Canada. Some horns there. 
Tim Tim Stradamus <laughs> uh, from nine months ago. First of all, uh, I would say that you are Tim Stradamus, but I didn't recognize that man in the uh, the video that we played back. Well, it was, uh, it'll be the beard will be gone when we come back from the Olympic break. Is that a fact? I, maybe a, I got to shave it for a promo. Um, Do I grow it back after I shave it for the promos? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> why not? It's still winter time. Yeah, let's talk. Seems like a winter. It. Okay. Uh, where do you want to go first? Do you want to go with the goal? Because I, just, I think, let me just, like, big picture, if you're just a fan, they haven't let you down yet. There has been maybe Jamaica on the road with a couple of suspensions due to yellow cards. Maybe that was like, eh. Other than that, especially in the last little while, it has been win after win after win, six in a row. Yeah. And by the way, if you do want to talk about this goal, which I do, I know it's crazy and lucky, but let's not forget Atiba at 38 on a diving header put it off the post to start. Yep. Right? Like, he rocket ships this off the post, and then it creates what is the most ridiculous goal that well, I've seen in a long it's time. It's so, like, the first thing I thought about when I saw it the first time was just so Canadian. Like, he's just going all out, full hard work. Like, no regard for his body whatsoever. Just yeah. laying it all out there. Yeah, that's and a Ken Reed going, fourth liner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Pucks in Pucks deep. In deep. That was oh, the yeah. soccer ball in deep is what that was. <laughs> and then it goes off his back and in. Like, let me ask you a question. Um, at any point of last night's match, did you think there was a chance that they were going to let you down for the first time? Because it wasn't, um, it wasn't their best showing, definitely, of this window. Uh, no, El Salvador know. definitely like brought it down to CONCACAF levels. Like right. that is the, the epitome. Yeah, my dad came over this morning. We had a coffee, and he was talking about like, like that wasn't that good of a game, and the <laughs> yeah. referee didn't. I thought it was like I thought the referee did a wonderful job. Like having to deal with what El Salvador was trying to do and what they were trying to do was muddy this game, frustrate the Canadians into making mistakes, and that's part of how they break you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of countries that do that. Um, but it's a, it's a testament to Canada's skill, their patience, and uh, their unwillingness to be intimidated. Because that used to intimidate Canadian teams. Yeah. Well, speaking of the intimidation, like that was, I, I think, the atmosphere that we were sort of expecting yeah. in Honduras. In Honduras. And, yeah. and we finally got it in El Salvador. And it just proved to me, watching these matches, that they can win in more ways than one. Like they can win the physical matches. They can win against the U.S. where they're more of the... Uh, aggressor physically um, and it's not El Salvador who's being more physical so I think for them like with every match here there's more and more confidence and like we can win in many different ways and like the confidence level they haven't lost like it's ridiculous like you said you're used to we were used to Canada soccer letting us down and it has been the complete opposite of that in the fact that they haven't lost like they're setting records for the World Cup qualifying they've got like six straight wins like Top they, of the table. They don't lose. By a significant margin. So. They're eight points clear with three to play. The most simplistic way to look at it is win and you're in. But all they need basically is two points from the three matches they have remaining. Uh, their next one is Costa Rica, and that's a really important game for them. Um, but. They'll get Jamaica next, and Jamaica is already out. Now, the Costa Rica-Jamaica mix here is very interesting because there's some talk that Costa Rica played and beat Jamaica with a positive COVID test or two. Uh, Now, the team refuted this statement that was made, 
but this could end up with a punishment that could affect either the standings or the game with Canada. So something to keep an eye on. But the fact that Canada goes into the last three games only needing two points, and when I say two points, that's if Panama and Costa Rica get the maximum points Mm -hmm. from their games. Do they need those three points? And Canada plays Costa Rica. I've already heard that some of the voyageurs, the the hardcore group of supporters, are planning trips right now to Costa Rica for what they're anticipating could be the clinch game. So... And it's a nice trip. A couple games ago, uh, when... <laughs> go to Costa Rica, yeah. Costa Rica's nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alfonso Davies on his stream at the end of the game, at the end of the match, was like, oh, we're, going to, we're going to Qatar, we're going to Qatar. And I know that some, some people, especially the hardcores, have been hesitant to sort of like punch, say that they've punched the ticket because they haven't officially done that, although you just explained that it's likely. Yeah. If there's like casual soccer fans looking at this, like they're looking, I think, at even towards the World Cup now and saying, like, how much damage can this squad do? Like, how much should the fan be dreaming? Like, how much can this team dream- accomplish from here? I'll, I'll never stop anyone from dreaming. I think that's the beauty of sport. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm nervous every time I hear it. And I was on – Junior Hoylet went live on his Instagram yesterday, and I went on just to see what he was doing. And they were in the hotel having a few drinks after the game on Hoylet's live stream. And sorry, I'm just bringing you on this, uh, Dobbs. I don't think it's archived because (laughs) they had had a few by the time Junior popped up his stream. Um, But they were talking like that. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it it feels like um, my nerves are getting in the way of me dreaming because it's basically done. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I asked from the casual perspective, because I know that the the hardcore soccer fans have been spurned before by this side. And until that's officially their ticket is officially punched, there's always going to be those. You know, we get hesitations. Craig Forrest, who will join us in mere moments from now. Uh, We may be even talking World Cup draw the United States and Honduras. Did you see that Hondurans left the pitch with hypothermia? Yeah, I almost feel bad that we were like joking about the wind chill, like, maybe minus ridiculous. thirty. But that's a dangerous sport to play when it's that cold out. Like, look how bundled up the fans are, and then you're just supposed to go on the pitch and play soccer. I mean, yeah, that's difficult. Well, we, we both said, like, I said at least I wouldn't go. <laughs> look at the coats. <laughs> that's so amazing. Like, it's ridiculous. It worked three nothing. Although yeah. I believe they probably could have beaten Honduras three nothing in Miami as well. <laughs> like it's really not like Canada where we only have one choice yeah. or two choices, like Olympic Stadium, retrofit Skydome, some way, shape, or form, <laughs> or BC place. Like they have hot places that they could have gone to, and yet they chose Minnesota. Yeah. And what turned out to be like minus thirty with the wind chill. Either way, uh, they got their three points. So Love it. Canada, the United States, and Mexico, no real surprise maybe in the top three, but to have Canada on top. Speaking of Canada on top, our Canadian women's hockey team opened the Olympics against Switzerland last night. And they open the scoring just over a minute in. Sarah Fillier on the rebound, bangs it home to give Canada a 1-0 lead. And they would just pour it on. More from Fillier, who is one of the young guns on this team. Look at the room she has and look at the snipe. 
Top cheese. Second goal of the game, 2-0 Canada. Second period now, 3-0. Claire Thompson finds Rebecca Johnston. She battles in front and backhands it home. 4-0 Canada. Later in the second, though, Sarah Forrester uh, takes Melody Daou down hard. Like, this just looks like a complete and utter body check. Daou left the game and did not return. Still in the second now, 8-0. Watch this save by and Rene Didier. <laughs> the double stack pad. Oh, old school. That looked like Marty Brodeur. Sliding over to double stack and make the saves. 12-1 Canada the final. They improved a 14-0 all time against Switzerland, outscoring them, wait for it, 121-3. The events have officially begun, but the start of the Beijing Games goes tomorrow with the opening ceremony. You can see it on Sportsnet. CBC Sportsnet 1 beginning at 6.30 a.m. Eastern, 3.30 a.m. Pacific. So if you're waking up on the East Coast and you're looking for something and you don't want to watch the highlights from last night, gotcha. We got you covered. Uh, seemed to me like the biggest surprise in Canada's game was that Marie-Philippe Poulain didn't score because it seemed like everybody else was getting involved in the She's act. such a leader that I wouldn't be surprised if she knew that Canada would probably end up with something along the lines of 121 to 3 all time in a 14. <laughs> like it's just, it's, I know it happens in the World Junior Tournament, it happens in a lot of different tournaments in hockey, but that competitive imbalance is absolutely terrible, is it not? Well, I mean, it just, on multiple levels here, it's bad for the fans because you're watching a game. I mean, you can watch Canada and enjoy them winning, but at some point, Watching them win in that way gets old, doesn't it? Like it, it, that's, and that can't be fun well, for the players. Some people say no. Some people say no. I, I know there are people out there that love to see Canada and the United States in the gold medal match every time. I disagree with them. Well, no, you, but, but you can get to that match with still having games that are competitive along the way. Right. I think that's what people want because you're, you're even for the players, like that's not really doing much to prepare them for the U.S. that, that game last night. Like the, No. You're beating them 12-1. Like, the, the game is over before it even begins, like, realistically, especially if you look at the betting odds, right? Yeah. So, it, I just, yes, it happens in the World Juniors. It happens everywhere. It happens in, in soccer, sure. But it's just not, it's not great because it takes away from what, they have a ton of skill, and it's unfortunate to watch them you know play against an inferior opponent. Do you know how you fix this? If, if the Canadian women don't have a livable wage from playing pro and playing for the Canadian team. What do you think a woman on Switzerland, do you think they have a chance to actually train properly? Get a real pro league where there's a livable wage and we can lift, the rising tide can lift all boats. And then maybe if you have some skill in one of those smaller women's hockey countries, they can find some sort of livable livable wage in a pro league. That whether or not it's in North America and Europe, I don't give totally. a bleep. Just get a real league. Yeah, I know that, as I understand it, they made some adjustments, so these games are more infrequent. Like they're playing the more competitive teams more often. Yeah. But still, as you said, I think more can be done. Definitely. Um, Melody Daou was injured in that game. No update on uh, her injury and what that means for the rest of the tournament as well. The American side, yeah. Brianna Decker, with just a, a, a what they're calling a severe leg injury. I mean, you never want to see it, and it's a huge loss Massive for the American for the team Americans, yeah. that, uh, like we said, everyone is expecting it to be Canada-U.S. in the final, and just, like, rough, rough scenes um, so it's as you're seeing right now. So it's confirmed she's out for the tournament. Uh, yeah. We'll have to check on Melody Dewu. Yeah. Out of McGill.
not good at all. Uh, so best wishes to Brianna Decker for sure and Melody Dow. The NHL has now entered its all-star break, but both Alberta teams were on the ice last night to play their final games of the week. Ryan Nugent Hopkins broke a third period tie with a shorthanded goal, which held up as the game winner for the Oilers in Washington, while the Flames outshot the Coyotes. Here they go again, Timmy, with the shots. 50-28 and picked up their fifth win in six games. Tim, which Alberta team is in better shape heading into the All-Star break? Do you think we get asked folks on Twitter without just having Oilers fans vote for the Oilers and Flames fans vote for the Flames? Yeah, everyone who's not one of those fans will vote. You yeah. think so? Yeah, I would. Why not? I just I, I think we'll just be overwhelmed by Oilers fans voting for the Oilers and Flames fans voting for the Flames, but I believe the Oilers to have more skill on their hockey team than the Calgary Flames do. But the Calgary Flames, when Jacob Markstrom is on his game, are very tough to beat. Mm -hmm. And then coming back the way they have over the last little while, like that to me shows a little gumption from this Flames squad that I didn't know they had. Like Johnny Goudreau looks like the 100-point Johnny Goudreau, right? Contract year. He, if... If they play the way I've seen them play, say, over those last six games, I would take Calgary in a matchup between the two. And I know that seems far-fetched right now, but if you play through some of these made-up games, if they stay warm after this break, they could overtake the Kings in the Pacific. They could overtake the Ducks in the Pacific. It could be really interesting. Imagine a Battle of Alberta first-round matchup. Sign me up for that. I'm down. I know it seems. Look at the look at the games played before you say McAuliffe shut your mouth. The games played. The Flames have six games in hand on the Ducks, and the Oilers have the same. No, it's not a shut your mouth situation. Um, I think we both discussed how the Flames. I mean, it's it just it's better playoff hockey. You have good goaltending, like you said with Markstrom. They're on a historic pace for shutouts. But I think what what maybe works in the Oilers' favor here is is they sort of know. I think ahead of the trade deadline. They sort of know what they need. So if they get a goalie, you're hedging your bet. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that yeah, too. Yeah, like that's like, <laughs> yes. you, you know you need yeah. a goalie. Like you can't just outscore everybody all the time. It hasn't been working. I mean, it has the last, little, last week or so, but it hasn't for the majority of the season. Go get a goalie. And then you could really do some damage. Easier said than done. But if I, I would throw the caveat in there. If the Oilers change what they have in net or somehow get Mike Smith healthy, yeah. I might have to rethink this. Yes. Okay. Uh, yesterday, the Chicago Blackhawks hosted a town hall. It was an opportunity for the organization to update fans and media on its direction moving forward. One of the panel members was Blackhawks owner and chairman Rocky Wirtz, who did not take kindly to questions about the team's response to their recent sexual assault scandal. Have a listen. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question at okay. the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my 
because I don't think it's in your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. You guys talked about a change in culture and transparency and demonstrating the, the, the new culture and values um, that are going to protect players and protect the organization uh, in the future. And it seems like the, the second that we asked a question about that, um, it, it's, it's met with resistance. So I'm going to ask it no, again. I, I answered it. No, I don't. I, I answered it. And I told you to get off the subject. You didn't I'm not gonna, you we're not going to bring up the report. No, you I'm, read I, it. We're not and, asking and, about the report. We're I know asking you're about talking about what the, what what the, the report new... was talking about. And I told you we're, we're moving on. Now, I don't like these. I, I think you're out of line to ask this line future. of questions. Why don't you ask about something else? Why don't you ask about the GM okay, search? Why don't you do something else? Okay, I Why will do you ask bring up old, old business? Timmy, uh, thoughts on what we just saw? Yeah, I know I'm paid to have an opinion on a lot of things. And Jesse, you know that I take that very seriously. We don't exactly have a team of 100 or 1,000 here. Uh, more like 10. So I do a lot of the research and work myself. And because of that, uh, there are things that I don't know or aren't my specialty, so I turn to the help uh, of others. And that's okay. In fact, I think we should all do it more often, which is why I'll give this answer to Sheldon Kennedy, who may know something about the subject at hand and has devoted his life, in fact, to understanding the subject and actually getting in, getting his hands dirty, and helping facilitate change. Here's what Sheldon Kennedy said on Twitter. This type of behavior is exactly how people get hurt. The whole panel, including his CEO's son, whom I believe to have some good answers to the question, were frozen in fear to speak up. This is the exact behavior that needs changing, period. First off. Second off. There was apologies that were sent after... Uh, and apparently they were sent directly to the two people involved there, and there was a statement. But if it wasn't so disgustingly dense, the exchange was almost laughable, was it not? Yeah. Like, it felt like it was a parody. Like, if you asked what the old, rich, out-of-touch owner or president of an organization that had just had to settle a controversial yet disgusting abuse case would look and sound like, Rocky Wirtz just hit the nail on the head. It was like... The evil owner right out of central casting. I have never been questioned before, and I do not like how it feels. If anyone needed proof that the PR firm wrote the apology the first time around, wonder no more. Might be time for someone else to take over. Okay. We continue the festivities with a little more fun. We've got a match game That's coming cool. up that Jesse Rubinoff is going to give to you. Craig Forrest will join us with his thoughts after Canada's perfect World Cup qualifying window. Kenny Smith on the race atop the NBA East. Some all-star reserves being announced a little later on today. Will Freddie Van Bleet be there? But up next, DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls visiting the Raptors. Michael Grange stops by from Scotiabank Arena to bring us a little words by Grange on DeMar. Tim and friends, let's go. Is it in? It is! That's not David, that's the captain, Atiba Hutchinson. The most unusual goal you'll ever see. What was that? Qatar beckons. Canada wins again. 
it's always great to see him back. Everybody loves the guy because he gave it everything. DeRozan over Banton. DeMar with 25. DeRozan plus the foul. Classic DeRozan. He's the mid-range assassin. Here comes Brown. Wow! Miles Bridges erased it! Get in there! That's what I'm talking about! Hornets basketball, both ends of the floor. Welcome back, friends. Counting down to the Bulls and the Raptors and Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 tonight. Raptors Central comes your way immediately following us, 7 p.m. Eastern. Bulls first in the East. The Raptors are eighth, but only five and a half games back. Now, of course, with the Bulls in town and playing so well, lots of focus on Raptors legend DeMar DeRozan, who is arguably having the best season of his career. He looks absolutely rejuvenated in Chicago. Our friend Michael Grange reflects on DeRozan's journey in his latest Words by Grange. Whoever said you can never come home again, they're wrong. The one who gets us, the one who got us, yeah, they'll always have a place here. The key will be under the mat, the bed made up fresh. For the Toronto Raptors, DeMar DeRozan will always be that guy. I am Toronto, you know, outside of where I'm from. You know, I represent this thing harder than anybody. You know, I got so many goals that I want to accomplish still, and I just can't wait to put that jersey back on and, you know, keep going. We understand why he had to leave, the choices that were made, and what they made possible. We the North are now we the champions, the Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. But it was never easy knowing the person who put the Raptors on his back and was a part of so much success, whose name is all over the record books, wasn't around for the moment he hoped he would help make happen. All you wanted was the best for a guy who made others stronger by admitting his own struggles, by letting others know it was okay not to be okay. DeMar did his part. He continued growing his game with the Spurs. He became one of the craftiest and most versatile offensive players in the game and a leader to a young team in transition. But would DeMar get his shot, his chance to finish the job that never quite got done in Toronto? All of a sudden, the shy kid from Compton is 32 years old and in his 13th NBA season. But you know that other saying? The one that goes, good things happen to good people? It's happening. DeRozan, the scoop, the score! What a show being put on by DeMar DeRozan. The magnificence of DeMar DeRozan on display here in the fourth quarter. Oh, stop it! From DeRozan! Stop it! The marvelous DeRozan! DeMar DeRozan has found the right team at the right time with the Bulls and has delivered his calm, his cool, and his ability to close games and break hearts. DeRozan, pump fake for the win. Got it again! DeMar delivers again! It's beautiful to see. 
and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. The man whose words you just heard, Michael Grange, joins me from Scotiabank Arena. I know you got to go by 42 or 43 to hear Nick Nurse speak. Uh, but one, well done. And two, it's kind of nice to see DeMar's evolution, isn't it? It's been great. And uh, you know, I've been lucky to kind of see it from him coming here to Toronto as a really shy kid. You could barely get him to kind of speak in more than a sentence or two if he didn't have to. And just step by step, year by year, really kind of grow as a player, grow as a person. And I think what a lot of Raptors fans appreciate about him in Chicago is there's an element of deserving there. Uh, this is a guy who wanted to stay with the Raptors. He's, all he ever did was win with the Raptors. And for the reasons we all know, uh, he didn't get to be here when they won the ultimate prize. So to see him land with a great franchise, with a really good management group, with a really good team, and have kind of the perfect role that brings together his whole skills, offensively, off the court, his leadership, his persona, um, it's a really nice feel-good story for Raptors fans and for NBA fans. You know, I, I strained my relationship with Kyle Lowry, and some of the, uh, the heads around the, the team might remember this, but I strained my relationship with with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan by questioning their commitment to defense and DeMar's ability to be efficient when it mattered most. And I could have taken a victory lap when they went out and got Kawhi Leonard and they won a championship and made that deal. But I was watching DeMar DeRozan the entire time. And what's always stuck out to me about DeRozan is his work ethic. And what I think you're seeing right now, Mike, is... What is possible if you never stop working? And to see him go from the guy who left to what you're now seeing in Chicago, I think is a testament to a dude who never stopped working. Never stopped working and never stopped caring. And I, I yeah. think, you know, people kind of lost track of him a little bit in San Antonio. But when you look at his production and how he was playing, what he was getting done with a really young kind of transitioning team, it was amazing basketball. He had one year he averaged nearly seven and a half assists. Yeah. He was still putting up 20-plus points. He became a point guard. And all of a sudden, I think what you're seeing in Chicago is he's on pace for his second-highest career scoring total. So he's still that guy who gets you buckets. He's doing it more efficiently than he's ever has. But he's also facilitating and allowing other people to come along with him for the ride. I mean, defense is basically, you know, you're not wrong, Tim. If DeMar DeRozan was a better defender, he'd be unquestionably on his way to the Hall of Fame. He might get there anyway. But I think he's found a way to impact games, to impact winning. He's doing it better than he ever has. And he's found a situation that suits him perfectly. You've got Vucevic, who's a, a, a five-man who lifts. You've got Zach Levine, who can spread the floor and attacks the attack the spaces that DeMar creates with his own battle, dribble penetration. You have Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso injured now, but uh, give him a little bit of defensive support. And it's a really tailor-made situation. And, and really, I think for him, uh, the laugh is on everyone else, right? People didn't think he was worth a contract he got yeah. in the offseason. He's definitely worth of that. His game is not aging. He's going to be like this for at least for the next two, three years. So, uh, you know, and, but to your point, you're right. He, he never stopped caring. He kept building his game brick by brick. 
Uh, I'm talking in a positive way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the results are, you know, an absolute craftsman. And you talk to anyone, any young player around the league, when they're talking about their mid-range package, their in-between game, you know, DeMar DeRozan is the film they watch. Yeah, and that's why it bugged me so much that it did strain the relationship because I got so much respect for what he's able to do with his skill set. Uh, Bills, Bills, the Bulls are number one in the East. Do you believe they can win that East, Mike? I do, just because the East is that wide open and there's so much uncertainty. They are untested. I think defensively their underbelly might be a little bit a little bit softer than you'd like to see in a team that's trying to get to an NBA championship. Um, but they can score with anybody, and they don't rely on any single person to do that scoring. So I think they are a scary team. I think the East is open, um, so it wouldn't shock me. I think it's a lot to ask for a team that's come together in a pretty short period of time, basically since the trade deadline last year. But the, you know, one thing about DeMar DeRozan is he's a chemistry builder, right? He's a guy who kind of uh, gives room for other people to shine. He doesn't, uh, he's not all about kind of pecking orders and that kind of stuff. So I think you see a Bulls team that's playing together, playing committed. They have some guys who are role players who are committed. So I think they're, you know, and they've held in through some injuries here. So they're going to have a good seed. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't bet against them. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has a chance to break DeMar DeRozan's record with DeMar in the building. Five straight 30-point games. Uh, Give me the reason or the how that Gary Trent Jr. has evolved to where we're at right now. I see a little more offensive patience than we saw even earlier this year. Um, You know, really, if you look at his production per minute, it's pretty comparable to what he's done earlier in his career. He's getting a lot more minutes, obviously. But in this last little run where he's shooting so well from three, uh, he's taking better three-point shots. The ball's finding him. Uh, DeMar, uh, DeMar DeRozan. Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet are getting doubled over and over again. And you see Gary Trent doing a really good job relocating on the weak side and nailing down those kind of bread and, bread and, bread and butter shots. There's two or three threes he's getting in the course of a game, and he's not missing them. He's like a baseball player who's not missing his pitch, and that's why he's on a hot streak. And then you mix in the fact that I think he's better than he's ever been. When he does get run off the line, I think he's got more a little bit of better finish right at the rim. He's got a really nice in-between game. He's got a little DeMar DeRozan in his game, frankly, and it's all coming together at once. And he speaks about how confident he is, how confident the coaching staff is in him, how confident his teammates are in him. And, you know, when a player has all those kind of boxes checked, uh, you know, you're going to see his best basketball. And I don't know if anyone thought that this was going to be Gary Trent's best basketball, but for a kid who's just 23 in his first real kind of leading role, so to speak, in the league. It's very impressive stuff. Uh, Mikey, I know you need to see Nick Nurse uh, speak, which is about a minute away, less than a minute away. Uh, Is Freddie Van Vliet an all-star by the end of the Nick will wait for me. Don't worry, Timmy. (laughs) Is Freddie Van Vliet an all-star by the end of the day? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I spoke over you there. Uh, I think he will be. You know, a lot yeah. of the coaches that come through here have been really positive about him. It's going to come down to a coach's vote. It is tight. There's, you know, it's not a shoe-in. But uh, I think coaches are like anyone else who's a real fan of the NBA. They love Fred Van Vliet. They love yeah. what he stands for. I think his story resonates with a lot of people. I could get him a couple of tiebreakers. Uh, Mikey, I didn't mean to uh, speak over you, but when we have that one-second delay every once in a while, we miss things, but I know Nick Nurse would wait for you. You've got that kind of clout. All right, there's Michael Grange. Let's go Have a good one, Tim. Yeah, you too. Uh, there is Michael Grange, Coach Bank Arena, obviously undone by the delay there at the end.
<laughs> done bo- by it. Bo- both he and I. That's, mo- I mean, that's more, TV. More so, my, more so my sake than his sake. That's TV yeah. in 2022 especially. This is the way it goes. Um, next question for Michael, if he didn't have to go yeah. to Nick Nurse, is when do they deal Goran Dragic's contract? See, you made the point to me. I don't even know if it was, this was on the air, but um, the Goran Dragic deal or the contract the fact that it's expiring, like, really means something. Yeah, it's valuable. It's very valuable to other teams. So, like, the idea that he's not going to get traded doesn't really hold water. Like, Masai will find a way oh, without a to doubt. give him to somebody. It's just a matter of what's coming back. Mm. But even if it's a salary dump from a team that looks to save some money. Yeah, like, they could use a salary dump. Without a, without, a, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. All right, time for a break. We'll get some of your feedback. We've got a match game. On yeah. Twitter right oh, now. Is we're it ready bubbling? To go. Yeah, we're ready to go. All right, we'll go back to soccer. Match game Jesse Rubinoff next. Tim and Friends. On a bit of a little light. <laughs> Very nice. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, two hours on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Kenny the Jet Smith on the All-Star Reserves and whether or not they may or may not include Freddie Van Vliet. And guess what? They will be announced on Inside the NBA with Kenny the Jet Smith. Might he give us some inside information? We'll see. Craig Forrest also top of the hour to discuss Canada's latest glory on the pitch. 2-0 in San Salvador last night. They finish an absolutely perfect window, outscoring their opposition 6-0, which leads us to a match game, Jesse Rubinov. Indeed. Indeed it does. And the answers have been uh, fast and furious all day long. We got this one a little bit early. So uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than blank. Ooh, unbelievable than blank. World Cup... Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than a pizza pocket not being lava hot on the first bite, says Dan. Very well done. Why? why? Always. Very annoying. I think it's the uh, the mix of cheese and uh, absolute unknown in there. Pizza pocket doesn't have too much cheese for me, for the record. Good cheese ratio. Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than scoring the opening goal against El Salvador from the ground off your back while headed towards the out-of-bounds area. JJ, very topical. Well done. Let's go touchline since we're now a soccer nation. Touchline, all right, good. Every time I say game, I always correct it to match, even though I don't have to do that at all. Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Tim having a problem-free drive in the snow. (laughs) Barris Mueller, who sent in a lot of good ones. A lot of good ones. I can't uh, show them all, Barris Mueller, but uh, thank you for the engagement. Uh, Eric says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Manti Teo's girlfriend. Hold on, actually, that's the wrong one. (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember this is like the biggest story in sports for like? I remember Sid and I were doing impersonations of Manti Teo's girlfriend's voice. Do you remember the recording of Manti Teo's yes. girlfriend's voice? <laughs> Hi, it's me. I'm your girlfriend. It's tough. That was oh. a tough story. That was a tough time for sports because that was the lead story on every sports show for like. Weeks. Yeah. Tough for Manti Teo. Tough for man. Toughest for Manti Teo. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than uh, Brian. Of course. Of course. Had to. More unbelievable than Jesse's grandma believing you could defeat Ken Reed in a geography quiz. And even went, even went to the lengths of 
adding messages to my text message conversation with Booby. Uh, she did say that you can do it. You can do it part, and then Brian added, "Sorry, Grandma." Uh, me, don't speak to me again, and then a sad face. Or uh, her, yeah, you know what I mean. I got you. Um, Booby told you not to speak to yes, her again. Yes, You're saying Brian crafted this? This wasn't actually... Brian Leach, yes. Did sure? This. Yes. Be positive? Yeah, but it's okay. a good job, so you would, like, come to your own assumptions at home. <laughs> Uh, Jeff says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Coyote's Gary Bettman relationship. Yeah, this might, might be a world record for the amount of horns that yeah. we've given out here. Oh, they're still they're still to come. How much time do I have? Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Raul says, finding out 13 seconds was enough time to have your hopes and dreams crushed on live TV. Josh Allen, 10,000-yard like stare. Yeah. Another hug. I got another hug. Juan says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Tim with hair. You got beard hair, though. That's for sure. Is that really hair, though? <laughs> On his last leg there. Yeah. yeah. Clinging. Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Nick Nurse's screen award-worthy acting debut on Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, Calvin says, more unbelievable than Mets paying Bobby Bonilla over a million dollars every July 1st till 2035. And more unbelievable than hiding geography answers in the base of your golf trophy. (laughs) (laughs) I know why you finished that. Very, very good. Jesse still upset. Yeah, that, he that got was my closer. Handed to him. Keep them coming, kids. Canada's very World Cup good. qualifying run has been more unbelievable than great Glenn. showing. More unbelievable than yeah. yeah very good. Very a bunch of horns yeah. there. Yeah. Record. Sometimes that's bad. Why? Right, time for a break. Oh, Get yeah. the horn. <laughs> Not in this case. We'll keep Canada soccer talk going after the break. Canadian soccer legend Craig Forrest stops by with the men on the brink of qualifying for the World Cup for the first time in 36 Bobby years. has responded. Bobby text again? Yeah. Bobby's getting some love today. That's a tease. Bobby. Hear what she said. Next. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. Tim and friends, time for Tim and friends. Tim and friends. And now, time for Real Sports Talk. With Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for another hour on Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Still to come, Craig Forrest to soak up the excitement around Canada's World Cup qualifying campaign. We also have a match game going pretty well on the interwebs as we speak. Did we get an update on one of the match games from Brian Leach, who suggested in a text bubble that he may or may not have created that Bubby yes. was, in fact, upset with you. Yes. So, um, Bubby has responded, and Bubby has said, uh, I never said not to speak to me again. And so, this is in reference to Brian's Photoshop, which was fantastic, of uh, the original message from her saying, you can do this, and then his Photoshop. She doesn't remember sending the don't speak to me again. And so she wrote That's me. That's because it was made on I never Brian said not Leach's to speak to me again. She's a little confused. <laughs> Don't, Don't worry, we know Bobby. that. Don't worry, we know you didn't send that text. Brian's just having a little I'll fun. I'll call you Bobby. later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're also going to talk to Kennedy Jet Smith on the NBA All-Star Reserves. Whether or not Freddie Van Vliet will be a part of that All-Star Reserves, 
Raptors and Bulls who will follow us right here on Sportsnet and Sportsnet One. In fact, we're getting some breaking news as I look down the old tweet machine. DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls sit atop the Eastern Conference entering tonight. Well, the Raptors have won three straight in impressive fashion. They're in the middle of a busy week, four games in five nights. Raptors injury report is now clean. Kem Birch returns to the lineup. Well, Zach Levine is a game-time decision with a back issue for the Bulls. We've got it coming your way right here on Sportsnet. We've also got the Clippers and the Lakers in Sportsnet 1 following the Raptors and the Bulls. That game also on TNT and part of their double dip. Speaking of TNT, Kennedy Jet-Smith coming up a little later to talk plenty more basketball. In hockey, the Anaheim Ducks have hired Pat Verbeek as their new GM. Verbeek worked as an assistant GM alongside Steve Eisman in Tampa and Detroit. Elliot Friedman called this one. It'll be his first NHL GM job and becomes the sixth GM in Ducks history. All right, let's get you to some highlights. That's right, kids. The Olympics underway. Mixed doubles curling kicking off on Wednesday. Canadian duo of Rachel Holman and John Morris taking on Great Britain. Seventh then, Canada facing one. Holman last stone. Rubs off her own guard. Misses the takeout. So Great Britain gets two. And Canada drops their opening match 6-4. So in the morning, at least Canada time, Eastern Standard time. Uh, they look for redemption Brew. against Norway. Moore's final stone and threads the needle, takes out a pair, leads to a score of four. So Canada up a pair. Eight then, Canada still had the hammer. Norway facing one, and this gets ugly. Comes up short. Canada wins 7-6. They don't even need to throw that final rock, so they even up at one and one. Speaking of Canadians, Mikel Kingsbury showed Waste no time showing the world that he is the man to beat in men's moguls. Again, reigning Olympic moguls champion, led the opening round with a qualifying at 81.15. The Quebec native moves directly to the first of Saturday's three final rounds. Kingsbury won gold in Pyeongchang, silver in Sochi, and basically every single World Cup that he's been healthy for. The events have begun, but the official start of the 2020 two Beijing games. It's underway tomorrow. Opening ceremonies. You can see it on CBC Sportsnet. Sportsnet 1 beginning at 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific. Canada within reach of the guitar. The World Cup wait is almost over. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Here's Larry. Plays it across. Is it in? It is! It's the captain! Atiba Hutchinson! The most unusual goal you'll ever see! What was that? Brotherhood is very strong. There's, there's nobody that we fear now. Here goes Jonathan David. He's in all alone. Jonathan David! It's the Iceman in the hot, hot heat of San Salvador. I just believe we love each other. We play for Canada, but we feel the support. 25 points for the Maple Leaf. We're all trying to really set ourselves up as new Canada. As the, the players said, put the world on notice. Qatar beckons! Canada wins again! Man, it's been a run for the ages. 36 years in the making, the last major title. 2000 Gold Cup, and the star of that team joins us to talk about this team. Longtime Premier League keeper, national team member, also longtime friend of the show, Craig Forrest, joins us now. What's going on, Craig? Thanks for doing this. 
Oh, my pleasure. It uh, it can't get any better than this coming on because, you know, we've lived through this disaster over the last couple of decades and uh, where you're well aware of it. And then obviously the 8-1 result in Honduras uh, a few years back, uh, I think 2012, that we'd really like to forget about. And this is just the turning point in uh, really Canadian soccer. And uh, I, I think that the momentum that this team is going to build and obviously with the World Cup 2026 being held here as well as the United States and Mexico, I think it's the years of this momentum is going to just be a change in just the way the game is looked at uh, in Canada, the way it's supported. And, uh, and I think the way the media will uh, show more attention to it um, it just makes sense. Without an absolute doubt. So for, for you, what, what's been the craziest part of this run? And I ask you because you've been around this program for a while. What, what's been the craziest thing for you to see over this, uh, this final round of qualifying? Well, if we go back up, if you want, remember the, you got the earlier rounds and then they had to play against the Haitians. Remember yeah. the goalkeeper? That goal, the goalkeeper uh, led in was just a miss. the disaster of all disasters. And then you see what happened last night with Atiba Hutchison and the way that hits the post, comes back, hits somebody himself in the ankle, then hits him in the head about a foot off and lobs in. Well, here we go. That's just a great to watch it. This is the craziest. This is one in a billion. <laughs> one in a billion. And then the keeper actually has a chance to save it, and he's swatting flies here. Watch this. Gee whiz. Hits the post, comes back. It's and and the way Atiba Hutchinson celebrates. Here we go. This is it. <laughs> this is the look too. Atiba Hutchinson celebrates like he meant it. <laughs> 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 you know what? But for a guy that deserves it, oh my! Just like he has just been a rock through all those hard times. And you know what? Most people in Canada have just got to know him. You know, and and yeah. he is the greatest at this present moment. Forget about Fonzo, okay? But he is the greatest of all time as a player and an out player. Uh, and the service that he's got, he's always showed up. He's always wanted to play for Canada and through the thick and thin. And it was touch and go whether he was going to be part of uh, John Herbin's plans. And he's turned out to be a really important piece of his plans. And I think that that just shows also the depth that the Canadian team has. You know, you got this experience of a 39-year-old uh, Hutchison, and then you got these young stars like Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and Tejon Buchanan, who's a star that's ready to just take that in that step. You got a group of players that are just absolute winners they're used to it it's becoming a habit for them and i've got high hopes for them and uh, that momentum that we should uh, build on as a as a game in canada through the world cup 26 and then beyond remember it's three and a half teams right now by the time they have to compete again for a world cup qualifying there's going to be up to 10 Concacaf teams there'll be eight automatic two playoff teams in 2030 if we don't qualify from then on in we don't deserve to qualify so i think we're there and we're going to be ever present and this is what's going to change is sustainable winning and as we do this the scrutiny on this team is going to become harder and harder right as you you have all these positives coming at you, the negatives are also going to come at you too when things don't go quite right. Uh, right, so that pressure is going to come on. It's all roses right now, but these guys are hey, going to be able to handle it. Hey, pressure is a privilege, and these guys Correct. are realizing this now because they're playing in the best leagues in the world, like you did. Um, the best part for me about Atiba is if and when Canada qualifies for the World Cup, he'll be 39 years of age. 
and he'll be the second oldest player in World Cup history behind Roger Milla, who a lot of people know the name of, even if you aren't a hardcore soccer fan. And to do that in the midfield, Craig, like it's not as if he's, you know, making a couple runs as a striker or maybe a central defender who just holds his spot. Like this is a midfielder who made a run from his own side of the field to get that goal off the back of his head. Yeah, as much as it was crazy the way he actually scored it, yeah. uh, you're right. You know, at his age, uh, it wasn't yeah. overly hot and humid down in, in San Salvador. It was a nice 19 degrees, but just the same. Uh, you know, Atiba Hutchinson is not a player that's ever relied. His, his main attribute was never his pace. Um, so a guy like Alfonso Davies will be very fortunate to be able to play at the top level for Canada at the age of 39. I'll just right. say that right now. It's just the, the wide players, the fast players, the speed players, uh, unless you can adapt your game, which Alfonso, I'm not saying he can't do, but uh, Atiba's not relied on that. And he's been able to right. change his game. And remember at Copenhagen as well, before he went to Turkey, he's in the Copenhagen Danish league with them. He's in the all-time 11 with the Copenhagen team. That's pretty impressive. This is it's things that a lot of people don't understand. It's been a long journey for Atiba, and, and basically you can walk down the streets of any city in Canada and not be recognized until until recently. Yeah, maybe now. Uh, most impressive stat, six straight wins in CONCACAF, undefeated in the final round of qualifying, or nine points in three games with their best player watching on Twitch. Did you hear me, Craig? Oh, yeah, which... Uh, which, oh, the results. Oh, my no, goodness. Wh- no, no. Which, which part is most impressive? Six straight wins in CONCACAF, undefeated in the final round of qualifying, or nine points in three games with their best player watching on Twitch? Which one of those is the most <laughs> impressive to you? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm going go uh, to go with number three. Yeah. Yeah, nine points with our uh, our star superstar sitting on Twitch, absolutely killing it. And isn't it unbelievable? I mean, his reach. I mean, we're talking millions and millions following him. I, I have no idea what the it, what the whole thing is all about. But you know, <laughs> you know, and you know, sometimes you worry about and you think about the promotions of Canadian players and how yeah. difficult that has been, really, for you know the the players Years. under the radar. Yeah. When you have a guy like Alfonso who has got to this incredible tier one A plus the character that he's had in the time of uh, that we're living in in social media. He is the perfect storm for Canada. Yeah. You know, Pulisic, Pulisic down in the United States, terrific player, but he's he doesn't want to be this. No. He doesn't. It's not him, and that's not his fault, but it's different, right? And I think that this is going to also help grow and attract uh, a great generation, a younger generation and demographic that uh, was also going to help build the game. It's awesome. And, and get shine for other players on the team, too, because people start thinking, who's, who's Fonzie talking about here? And it might be a guy that uh, might be up for a move. Listen, I, I did a little talk before the home and home with Haiti, saying that this was the dawn of a new era in Canadian soccer with a tip of the cap to the past. When did you realize that this group might be different? Um, a few years ago, uh, just by what I was when I was making conversation with uh, Victor Montaliani, who's now the president of CONCACAF, and. Um, 
just the, what he was doing behind the scenes. And we needed a man in power to make some changes. We, we as players were trying to push here and there to make uh, the team more professional and make some things, even with changes in, in major league soccer that were unfair for Canadian players. Uh, uh, those had to be powerful people. And he got into that position that had some power to make those changes, which were obviously fair. So the development of these guys coming through the systems and then also having these great careers and ambitions to play all over the place. Major League Soccer's played a part. Development's played a part. Is You know, the timing, let's face it, nobody expected uh, quite the level of play. I mean, look at this ball here and the take by Jonathan David. Three touches in total. Yeah, the keeper shouldn't be there, but the finish is not easy. And uh, that pace, by the way, over top is the difference that we didn't have. Uh, back in our day, we might have had one player that was fast, had some pace, right. but that wasn't enough. It would happen is they close you out and then close that player out, double team them, and then that was it. But now you've got options and pace everywhere that scares the living hell out of any team as we've seen in this uh, in this region even against our strongest opposition mexico in mexico we've taken eight points off the united states and mexico yeah, never been done cool. in Concacaf history before so it's really impressive but that pace kills and the way john john herman played that game last night being a little bit sitting deep El salvador has a bit of play he knows the defense needs a little bit of protection solid blocks pace over the top great substitutions Hasn't missed a beat, John Herdman. He's made every right decision so far as well. Nice to be able to take uh, Tejan Buchanan and Kyle Lahren off the bench in <laughs> in the second half. That's some depth uh, for John Herdman. All right, so uh, are we allowed to start talking about World Cup draw and pots and where yes. Canada might be? We are? Are you kidding me? Come on. <laughs> nice. I love it for us. <laughs> what, 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 I mean, listen. We could be the biggest optimists to think that we could be talking about World Cup draws and pots with three games to go. Like, that's just a dream scenario, is it not? You know, yeah. And, it, you know, it, we actually have a chance to get into pot three, which is just nuts. And the, yeah. the fact that we're talking about being in pot four or whatever. <laughs> so there's going to be four pots. Pot one, everybody knows, you're going to get one of the superstars, the powerhouses in the world. That's a guarantee. Brazil, Germany, yeah. Um, Number two, pot two, this is what worries me more than us being in pot three or four uh, is Germany and the Netherlands in, in pot two. You don't want that. Um, if you can stay away from that, I think you got a chance anywhere. As well as there's an opportunity. They could get Qatar in their group as well. Uh, right. How amazing would that be? I mean, potentially the opening game of the World Cup, uh, potentially, or does that go to the home and the winners of the last one? Anyway, could you imagine the atmosphere around that? So, um, just so good to talk about this, right? Like a World Cup draw and pots is a legitimate conversation with three games to go. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? But it's, it you know, that's how they do it, you know, and it makes sense. They give, you know, you got to respect history as well. And that's why FIFA do it. So you're balancing it out and you're going to hopefully get a position where you're going to have a chance to actually uh, qualify out of the group, which I really think they have every chance to do. I, I think they're that good and they're not going to surprise anybody. Uh, nobody's that crazy. They're going to know everybody. They're, they're going to see every game, watch every bit of video, and all these guys inside and out before this Canadian team meets anybody. Uh, love talking soccer with you. Love talking footy with you. Thanks for doing this, Craig. My pleasure. Longtime friend, longtime member of the Canadian national awesome. team, Craig Forrest. Fired up. Uh, fired up. So is a lot of Canada for this team. They're very likable too. Mm -hmm. Like that's one of the like. 
from Alfonso Davies, Sam Atacube in his interview, like, I don't know how many people reached out to me and go, how great was that kid? Yeah. Like, he was unbelievable on the show. Hopefully we can get a couple more people, maybe even John Herbman. We're trying to get him tomorrow. We'll see how it works out. Hot commodity, obviously. Either way... <laughs> Uh, the run has spurred on a match game here at Tim and Friends. Okay, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than, Sean says, more unbelievable than how the Pam and Tommy series got on Disney. Yeah, I keep seeing the yeah. promo for that and thinking that's on. So Disney Plus is not just animation. It appears not. <laughs> it appears not. Yeah, pretty animated. Uh, the Beatles doc was pretty good, though. That was on there, too. Uh, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable okay. than... Uh, than Tim's beard and asked Ruba asked for a horn hashtag horn please no you can't just yeah you can't ask for horns shut down he mentioned the beard because he knew you'd read it it doesn't even say anything about the beard well it says it's unbelievable why is the beard unbelievable I don't know take it maybe it's a good thing no like unbelievably good beard you just got hoodwinked to get a guy on TV well he asked for a horn that's the least I could do I can't have a World Cup qualified run has been more unbelievable no you can't talk over me it's my name's on the show Jesse's high I knew this one was about you. Because I wanted to get to it next? Yeah, because you talked all over me. How you much time do I have you here? You can't ask for your own horns. It's like giving yourself a nickname. I just, I mean, I you didn't just give, give yourself the best nickname. I didn't give horns to him. I'm, I was just posing it to you. You can feel free to. I'm just to weighing in on it. You're not allowed to ask for your own horns. You heard it here first. Can I show you something that I think you're going to like, though? Uh, Zacharias writes in and says, um, My wife, Farah, always asks why I love the show, and I tell her the live interaction is the best part. Help me prove my point so I can wish her a happy birthday today. That's Zacharias. Hey, Farah. Happy birthday. There you go. Time for a break. A reminder. We're always live. Raptors and Bulls coming up on Sportsnet immediately following us. When we come back, a closer look at Masai Ujiri's amazing work with the Giants of Africa. We will lead you into Raptors and Bulls right here on Tim and Friends. Always live, always engaging. We keep it going. Next. Happy birthday, Farah. Kenny the Jet Smith coming up in more of your match games, but we pulled back the curtain a little bit. I knew I wanted to be in and around sports from the time I was about 10 years old. I realized it wasn't going to be as an athlete at about 12 years old. But what drew me to sports from the start was, first and foremost, how much fun I had. But two, the power it had to unite people from different generations, fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, from different backgrounds, different religions, you name it. Sports, unlike many other things on planet Earth, could find common ground. It's something Raptors president Masai Ujiri knows too, except in his case, it's not to anchor some stupid sports show. It's to be among the best executives in all of sports and to make a difference, to find common ground for a continent of around 1.4 billion people. Crazier than the idea is that it's actually starting to work. Donovan Bennett has more. When we play in the NBA, we take Africa with us everywhere we go. And being from this continent, it is a source of pride. Everything you can think of, Africa 
is rising in some kind of way. I feel like we have to educate the world who we are and what we're about. You want to make sure that people from Africa understand that they have potential and all they need is an opportunity. And once they get that opportunity, they can achieve whatever they put their mind into. The Houston Rockets select Hakeem Olajuwon, Kembe Mutombo, Serge Ibaka, Bismack Biyombo, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Precious Achua. For kids in the United States, it would be a dream come true, but what about a youngster from Zaire? This is just one of the big examples that I show to the kids back home. I hope that they can follow my example. Why are we seeing so many great players now from or have lineage from the continent of Africa? I think the game of basketball is just growing over there. All the players before, Olajuwon, Matumbo, they're just messing up basketball over there and it's showing so it's exciting right now. There's a lot of talent in the continent. There's a place that has not been visited a lot, you know, when it comes to basketball. And now it's kind of like kids growing up, falling in love with the game, get familiar with the game. It's great. I think like guys like us also coming in and, and you know trying to do our best to bring light to the continent. Now you look at the draft and it's like players from like Africa. It's just it's amazing to see. What do you think of when you see the rise of influence and culture around the world from the continent? I think it's about time that the talent is rising. You know, we are giving opportunity. We are taking opportunity. There's an ecosystem around the continent, be it sports, entertainment, the food industry. Everything you can think of, Africa is rising in some kind of way. You see it everything. Music, TV, like everything. You see Africans and they're making an impact. It's beautiful to see. It's super amazing, man, to see just because, like, I know that, like, before it wasn't it wasn't a thing, right? Like I mean, Afrobeat, something as simple as just music, you know. Like just seeing how like so many people are, like into it now. It's really important for me that the development of the continent is on the forefront, and I think a lot of young leaders are trying to put this in their mind. I'm proud for the work they are doing. We must grow and we must learn to respect each other, be good to one another, be nice to each other. Then come and play basketball. How big is it that you have people like Masai Jure to show people you don't just have to play, there's other roles that you can have? Oh, it just shows you that like when people care, it doesn't matter what you do, you can always help and inspire. And that's what they've been doing. Obviously Masai is an amazing part, you know, in, in just basketball, humanity, like everything that he's doing, just knowing that we continue to grow, we continue to get better, and having someone like Masai being like, you know, like obviously the head of rappers and, and all that, and, and leading us here, it's like, it's, it's, it's super amazing. We created the Basketball Africa League to provide a platform. Our goal is to build a top flight competition that will reflect the continent's love for the game of basketball. Having that first league had to be operated in a bubble in Rwanda, but having that first competition was very successful. This is transcending in sport, but the actual NBA to actually be part of a league that they've never done this anywhere in the world. Yeah, first time, and they're doing it in Africa. And now we have Barack obviously being a high level, being a big part of the BAL. What does his cosign allow um, you know, to happen with the movement. It's so influential, it's so impactful for 44 to be involved in anything, let alone basketball on the continent. I know what the impact of a person like that is.
I hope you know through sport that if you put in effort, you will be rewarded. Even if you are the best player, your job is not just to show off. Your job is to make your teammates better. He has the love for the game. He thinks he can hit every shot, every, <laughs> every shot he takes, you know, when he does all these visits or camps or appearances. He's incredible, incredible person, um, incredible to learn from, and um, we're proud that we have him around Baal, not just from a game standpoint, but from a business standpoint too. Sometimes it falls upon a generation to be great. You can be that great generation. Let your greatness blossom. Of course, the task will not be easy. I ask all humanity now to rise up. With the rise of the continent, something that we knew was coming if you listened to the thoughts of Madiba, what do you think he would say about how Africa is really at the forefront of all that's good right now culturally? I think it's a stage he set for us. He created this path for us. We saw how he felt about sports, you know, and he loved it. He paid attention to it. And I know he would want Africa to win. Most importantly, he believes that sports brought people uh, together. I see it with GOA, I see it with PAL, I see it with the Raptors, I see it with the NBA. And that's what he was about, you know, is bringing people together. Africa, Canada, wherever, we need to bring more people together more often, and sports do that. Uh, underrated, by the way, Masai's chuckle. I think that needs to go on the soundboard, the Masai yeah. chuckle. Uh, Masai's Raptors taking on the Bulls. You can see it immediately following us. In fact, we'll help you tee it up. NBA All-Star Reserves will be announced shortly. Will Freddie Van Vliet make the squad? What's wrong with the Nets? And will the Raptors be buyers? We'll discuss it all with TNT's Kenny the Jet Smith next right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back. About an hour away from tip between the Bulls and the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena. You can see it on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 1 beginning with Raptors Central. 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. That's followed by the Lakers and the Clippers on Sportsnet 1. They are currently 8 and 9 in the Western Conference, both below 500. Heading in, we are efforting to get Penny the Jets Smith on the line in mere moments from now. But in the meantime, between time, I have a tweet from Kai who writes in and says, Tim, your frustrations towards Jesse on TV has to be different from off TV. It is not a good mojo. <laughs> All caps. Stop it. Well, people think, yeah, people are upset. People think we're fighting. Yeah, uh, Sandra says that uh, she's upset that we're fighting too. Uh, yeah. There are others who are suggesting. Now, Harvey uh, said you and he I snapped at me. Yeah. You and I work together two hours a day on air, five days a week. Mm -hmm. We work together more than that. Mm -hmm. uh, people uh, chirping, a natural form of life, uh, back and forth, a natural form of life. In the end, we share an embrace. Okay. Uh, we do it apart from each other because of COVID times. Yeah. But we share an air embrace after every show. Just know that. Yeah. Look, I, I'm okay. I feel fine. Even though you snapped at me, I feel okay. 
Um, do you remember why I snapped at you? Because every match game has to do with the anchors? <laughs> no, it's the horns thing. Uh, I don't okay. remember why. But. All right, let's get back to the match game. Canada's World Cup qualifying <laughs> run has been more unbelievable than blank. More well, Dan, unbelievable Dan. than Jesse remembering what I Dan. snapped him about. So he must be affected. No, well, look, when you're snapping at me, my blood pressure's going up. I'm like, uh-oh, he's snapping at me. There's, like, steam coming out of his ears. I'm like, oh. So that's why I lost track of why you actually snapped at me. But um, Danny says, don't ask for the horns or you'll get the horns. It's not a match game. It's just the point he's making. I get the point. Oh, okay. All right. I was afraid you're. Maybe you were gonna give him horns. Um, for this. I'm afraid to say anything now. Okay. Am, I, am I allowed to react to these? Or no? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Okay. Let's. <laughs> Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than uh, than a BMW driver using an indicator on the 401. <laughs> Why is it always a BMW? Yes, that's a major highway in the uh, Toronto slash Southern Ontario, Ontario yeah. corridor. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Justin says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than Sid's perfect rendition of Despacito. Perfect may be a stretch, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, I know Sid's uh, no longer on the show, but that is Count Bad. You can file that under uh, mentioning host. a host and you get on. Mm-hmm. And then we got uh, Duncan who says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than... Uh, generic Sid insult his yearbook photo or him in the bike outfit mentioning Jesse Rubinoff <laughs> so he shows me on TV horns super horns CSI yeah. they got them all <laughs> see double, this is what I'm talking about the veteran move when we went to commercial break I told you this is uh, it's an old hoodwink from the uh, from the folks who know how to do this That's, thing that is a veteran move from yeah, Duncan Duncan and then, knows uh, how to do it my small trophy I think this is uh, number two for my small trophy today but uh, thinking anyone would actually be interested in applying for this dream job, which is public relations manager. Oh my God, that's not real. For the Chicago Blackhawks. That's not real. Okay, so the, the first reaction would be, obviously, that's not a real job posting given the current situation with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I looked it up, <laughs> teamworkonline.com, hockey jobs, public so relations good. manager, Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> Uh, community relations, Who wants media that public, gig right now? summary, responsible for developing <laughs> and implementing communication programs. A year. I don't think it says how much you get paid, but they should probably put that somewhere <laughs> and bump it up. <laughs> so good right now. By the way, Gary Bettman is holding like a state of the union. Like the timing on this, like I guarantee a Bettman called worse. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Send out the apologies to everybody right now. It, it would like I think you did a really good job of saying it. It was just like it's hard to say it's laughable because of the content with which surrounds it, but it was it was awful. It was just an awful thing to do, and you could tell with everybody else sitting up there that they were afraid to speak, and that's that's why the, the tweet that we had up earlier from Sheldon Kennedy was perfect. Like everyone was afraid to speak. I love how you're giving this serious conversation talk about Rocky Words and we're well, playing the match game. game music in the background. Uh, I got a, I got a couple more. Barris writes in and says, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than the Oilers making the most of two generational players. Yeah. He gives the horns his own tweets. Or the murderer, I guess. That's not my own tweet. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Barris Fueler's. No, no. no, the ones that you chose is what I'm saying. Oh. Now they're going to think we're fighting again. Tito like, writes in and says, more unbelievable than Sid Sixero working out every morning on BT. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a host mention. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do here. All right, I'm not reading anymore. What do you mean? Keep going. Keep going. No, no keep I'm going. done. No. Okay, that's no, fine. No, don't be sensitive. Keep going. Uh, Jeff writes in and says, more unbelievable than Mo Peterson's that was the best buzzer ever. beater. This is the Hashtag best. onions, baby. Onions. I remember. And for those who don't remember, it's the most unbelievable. I was in my dorm room. I was in my dorm room at Western when when he made that. I remember where I was. That's how was unbelievable it, it was. Drew Gooden, who threw the ball. Oh, uh, uh, Michael um, starts with an R. I want to say. Uh, oh, this is gonna bother me now. This remember. is gonna bother me. Ruffin, Michael, Michael Ruffin. Ruffin. Yeah. R U F F I N. Right. Yes. Uh, not. I mean, yeah. In hindsight, not a good idea. But I understood. Like, you well, understand he, it at the time. Yeah, he immediately looks at the clock. You can see he gazed at the clock. Michael Ruffin did. Gazed at the clock and was like, oh, bleep. <laughs> oh, bleep. How about Sam? There's no zero, 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 zero there. It was Mo P. Does it make the Raptors look bad to say, like, that for me is, like, in the top ten? Yes. Think so? Well, without a doubt. I mean, it's an unbelievable play, but for a while, that was one... That and a dunk competition were the greatest moments in franchise history. Literally. Yeah, I guess that's it. It was a win over the Bulls in the regular season in year one. This shot by Morris Peterson and a dunk competition were the best moments in franchise history, which is what I always had a beef with when it came to Raptor fans, like aim higher. And now they understand it because they got Kyle, they got DeMar, and they got Kawhi. And DeMar's in town tonight. You can see it on Sportsnet, Bulls, Raptors. By the way, did you know since December 1st, third and fourth best team in the Eastern Conference are the Bulls and the Raptors? Really? Yeah, the Toronto Raptors. Guys, do we have that boy? I know I'm asking for this last second. Kenny the Jet Smith was supposed to join us. He was pulled into a meeting, I'm guessing, that they were just told who the All-Star Reserves were. And he is unable to join us. But these are the best records in the Eastern Conference since December 1st. Now, I don't know if you want to call this a small sample size. It's about 30 games, so it's not that small a sample size. And there is um, some congestion Mm -hmm. there. But the Raptors have the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference since December 1st. The Bulls have the third. Yeah, it's part of the reason the Raps are favored against the Bulls tonight. I mean, look at that board. What what sticks out about that board to you? Like, other than the Bulls and the Raptors. That the Nets are at the bottom? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's the Nets at the bottom, which is ridiculous, and the Cavs being at the top. Which I'm on the Cavs bandwagon. I like their team. I like what they're made of, and maybe that will cost Freddie Van Vliet his all-star reserve spot because it is in Cleveland, so Darius Garland is going. It's Mm -hmm. whether or not Jared Allen is going with him. Could even make a case for Evan Mobley or Gary Trent. <laughs> Last five games. Yeah, like, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Okay. Because okay. I heard a Raptor fan in this building say, is Gary Trent an all-star? And I was just like, come on. Man. I tweeted it out facetiously. Maybe you just saw my tweet. And no, there was someone in the building that said, that said it. Someone said it. For real. For literally, real. I was just like, come on, man. Like, James Harden? Maybe eventually. Maybe eventually. No, I'm not saying he won't be, but five games does not make you an all-star. No, Kenny is not getting news that Gary Trent is in the all-star game right now. You don't think so? No, no, definitely not. Time for one last break. We'll get you the last call, then send you to Raptor Central on Sportsnet. We'll do that all next. And I'm texting Kenny to see if he's got any information on whether or not Mr. Bet on Yourself is going to the All-Star game.
We close out this edition of Tim and Friends with Last Call. And my really good friend, Jesse Rubinoff, is sitting over there. He's going to take care of you for Last Call. And take Let's, the do Let's do it. Let's do it. Am I allowed to give out horns to any of these? You can do, you can literally, you said, you made the point earlier, it's Tim and Friends. You can do whatever you want to do. It's Tim and Friends. If you know Raptors head coach Nick Nurse, you know he loves music. And he can play a little, too. Nurse appeared on the latest episode of the Best Hang podcast with... Arkell's frontman Max Kerman, and they had a jam session. Let's have a listen to it. It's been seven hours and 13 days since you took your love. Sinead O'Connor. Let's go, keep going. Yeah. I go out every night and sleep all day. Yeah, sing it. Asking the wrong person when I say, Is that Sinead O'Connor? No, you're correct. I was letting it play. You know out. that song? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't know that song? <laughs> no, no. I think but, they were making it a country song. You don't know, nothing compares. Nothing compares. No. You don't know it? No. Yeah. But um, should the Raptors be concerned about losing Nick Nurse to the like music she was industry? On, uh, Saturday Night Live, like rather famously, that couldn't have been all that long ago. That's probably like 15 years ago. Nothing. So you're like, I, like blanks. You're 18 at that point. No. Nothing. Like when you asked me for the longest beach, freshwater beach, blanks. Just right. same same thing with yeah. Sinead O'Connor. I got nothing. Shaved your head? No. Oh, that rings a bell. That rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not worried about uh, Nick Nurse going to music. I will say, <laughs> what what was hidden kind of if you didn't pay attention all that much because I only noticed it late was he was also playing the piano yeah like he was playing the music and i heard that like he, they were jamming a little bit it wasn't just Sinead o'connor which is a, a wonderfully beautiful song that my wife actually hates you have to listen to it um not by nick nurse afterward he, i mean well, maybe you might be with with my wife on this one you might not like the song <laughs> he he can act too like what he's a well, he's come a, on the, the acting was over well i'm just saying, i love nick yeah. nurse the acting was but it's, he's just a man of many many talents this is very many very interests. impressive many interests yeah. and many talents he's a, he's an actual human being which is the greatest compliment that i can give anyone these days yes i think people enjoy seeing um sports I I figures could. do stuff do like you play that. any mu musical instrument i at used all? to play the drums that yeah. ended poorly Maybe. i just you mean that ended poorly? I, I just stopped. What happened? It was like your injury? No, I just stopped. I just wasn't good at it. So you miss a drum? What about you? Any, any? Uh... Nothing. I don't have a musical bone. I love music. I listen to all types of music. I don't have any, like no musical bone in my body. Well, some people pick up guitar and stuff later in life. I do. Uh, like, try. It, when I retire, I'm gonna go to like uh, uh, operatic singing school. That I, I can wanna, see. That I can see. see for you. Yeah, I want to go. Sing Is that like what you? Opera. That's what you want to do. Move to Italy. There's a former NFLer who now sings opera. I, I want to become that. Shiro Immobile. So Dobby just whispered. <laughs> he just told me. Are you, are you naming Italian <laughs> that's soccer just, you players? Sing, you sing that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what you sing. Immobile. I've seen you do that multiple times. <laughs> it's La Donna. Immobile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do it for us? Or no? I don't have to put. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't have to put you on the spot. Um. I think you should learn guitar. 
We're moments away from Raptors and Bulls That's right here. That's amazing. No, I really think you do. I want to go sing. I think you should learn the guitar. Let's move on, Raptors and Bulls. <laughs> We're going to learn uh, moments from now about the NBA All-Star Reserves. That's the meeting that we believe Kenny was pulled into and why he couldn't be here. There's plenty of talent, but of course, we have our eyes on uh, Mr. Bet on Yourself, Fred Van Vliet. We know he should be there. Will he be there? Hey, listen, the Raptor fans saying like he should be there. Let me just name off okay. the guards in the East that haven't been named as of yet. LaMelo Ball, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine. Let's call Tatum a forward or a guard, whatever the hell you want. Freddie Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Like, there's only eight names, and there has to be, and there's no bigs in the East. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you're looking at Sabonis, maybe Jared Allen. So maybe they'll go with a lot of guards. But there it is going to be tough for him to be named. But I lean towards the side of Michael Grange, and that is the coaches name the reserves. And Freddie Van Vliet plays a type of game that coaches love. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be LaMelo Ball all you want, a coach would much rather have a Freddie Van Vliet than a LaMelo ball. Now, in an all-star game where you want to see some showtime, I, I think LaMelo might end up there, but the coaches have their say, and they love the dudes like Freddie Van Vliet who do it with hard work, dedication, and play the right way. Check, check, and check for Freddie Van Vliet. Pascal have a chance, you think? No. No. It's just straight now. I wonder if uh, Freddie's shooting percentages dipped over the last little while. I wonder if that... I would play any role. I think, that the run, I think the run had great timing because I don't think coaches watch day to day, but they would have seen the noise that he made over that little run. Mm -hmm. And I think when we see these in uh, probably about 15 minutes time, very exciting. Freddie Van Vliet's name will be on. Uh, okay, ESPN will make history next week. Next Wednesday, the Jazz and Warriors game will feature the first all-female NBA broadcast in the United States on ESPN with Beth Moens, Doris Burke, and Lisa Salters set to call the game. Uh, simple question, what took so long here, Timmy? Uh, no idea, but Doris Burke has been a legend for a long, 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 long time. And I know it's for an NBA game, but we've seen all female broadcast crews on ESPN before, yes. so this feels like old hat, but it's nice to see it at that level. Definitely. Uh, Elijah Fitcher, a five-star Canadian basketball recruit. Oh, nice. And a potential top NBA draft pick went off last night, and I mean he went off. The 18-year-old dropped 74 points for Crestwood Prep, which is just insane. That's the highest scoring game in men's OSBA history. 74 points. Yeah. How good can he be, Timmy? For those who are looking at the United States of America, I love this dude because of that. One, he stayed at home. Crestwood's around the corner from Uncle Timmy's house. He is not far from me. And trying to prove that you don't have to go the American route for high school. I mean, think about this. We're sending our kids at like... 15, 16, and 17 yep. in the United States of America to play high school basketball. When we can do it here, we've already proven it. And if Eliza Fisher lives up to the potential that we have seen from him, I hope more kids follow in his footsteps. Now, if you look at 24-7, he's top 20. If you listen to ESPN, he's probably a top 10 recruit, maybe even a top 5 recruit in the 2023 class. So this kid could be the next one. 
and I've seen glimpses of him. I know TSN did a feature on him a little while ago. It looks like he could be that dude. And 74 in a game is ridiculous. And I know that Americans down south will say, ah, who's he playing? Who's he playing? Kids who are going to American schools, because that's what that league is. <laughs> when you hoop, like, do you still, you still play basketball? No, not really. Okay, but when you used to, this is yeah. a question. I always thought, I always wondered this. If you're playing scrimmage, you were like, were you a shooter? Were you a shooter? No, not at all. You're like, babe, I elbows say, in uh, the paint. No. I was a slashing <laughs> point guard okay. who couldn't shoot, so you had to slash and dish. Did you keep track of your own stats? In like, like pick up? Yeah. No. I didn't shoot a lot. I was a passer, a rebounder, uh, played a little defense, but I, I very rarely shot unless it was chippies or it was wide open jumpers. That's the kind of guy I was. I was just wondering if you got anywhere close to 74 points. Not a chance. I was not a scorer. And in high school when I played, I would always score like two or four points and I would count my assists and not my points. Love that. Team player. No, Um, I just couldn't uh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't shoot. (laughs) Couldn't shoot. Uh, Doug writes in and says, Sinead O'Connor was in SNL in 92, 30 years ago. Wow. Getting older sucks. Yes, uh, that is correct. Getting older sucks. That is 30. How old are you, Jesse? Goodness me, 33? So you were three years old when I, I stand corrected, Doug. Wow. I take it back, Jesse, and I four. apologize. Yeah. We're all allowed to be wrong. No, that's okay. Kids. I mean, YouTube exists. I could have seen it on YouTube or something if it was that good. If it was as good as you say it was. She tore a picture. It was controversial. It's fine. You didn't miss much. Okay. Uh, a couple match games to close it out, maybe. Um, Canada's World Cup qualifying run has been more unbelievable than the Jamaican bobsled team making a comeback. Says Sandra. Nice. That's going to be amazing to watch. Uh, Hingle McCringleberry, uh, more unbelievable than Tom Wilson being an NHL all People are upset about this, <laughs> of eh? He's a lightning rod. Um, He's also a really good player. He is. A, okay, and then more unbelievable than the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Without a doubt. Uh, a little added on match game to close it out. I didn't say anything. Nothing. I just let you read them. No chirping back and forth. I, I don't need quiet. you. I don't need you to be quiet. You want a hug? Like air hug. You don't want a real hug, like a daps and taps. No, we can't. We can't do. Can't do that right now. That, what are you talking about? Like a real, like a real real. Oh, I took off my. What are you doing? Oh, the COVID bracelet. Right. I got called out. Mine was on. I know. Earlier. Took, took it off halfway through the show when someone tweeted in. Did you see the mentions? Yeah, I did. That's <laughs> it for us, Chapter Central. It's coming up next on Sportsnet. Someone tweeted in and said, why does Jesse still have his COVID bracelet on? I looked over it was gone. Bulls and Raps, Lakers and Clippers. Enjoy it all. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Fun show, Jesse.